0: Why do I clap like I'm tear? like I've never clapped before in my life and I'm so scared of what the reaction is You're delicate. Be. You're-
1: Wait, who was <laughs> this? What was that video at the Oscars? Who clapped Nicole Kidman? Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> because of that giant diamond ring, I think. She was like, I can't clap and like destroy this yeah. ring.
2: voice cracks a little bit then
0: it's uh the way that sia's voice cracks when she oh, sings okay. it was a stylistic choice Bitch.
2: okay fair enough then i apologize
0: anyway welcome to another episode of black fraser as always i'm your host phoebe lynn robinson and i am joined in the studio y'all by my producer co-producer moya editor the love of my stinking life.
2: British bloody bake-off. Hello, guys. How <laughs> you doing?
0: Sorry, I have um, a cough drop in my yeah. mouth. Well, I've just been, don't choke on it. I've been talking a lot today, babes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I just want to go on the record
2: and state. On the record, Your Honor.
0: As much as I love you, honey.
2: Ooh. Where's this going?
0: I think you need to start wearing underwear under your sweatpants because every morning I just see the freaking outline of your dick tip as I'm having a bowl of granola. Do you think this is a good time to bring this up? I think it's a perfect time.
2: Oh. I think um, the listeners
0: will agree, less sausage in the morning.
2: (laughs) Your doctor's prescribed.
0: (laughs) Less sausage,
2: less red meat in the morning. Okay, <laughs> I did catch myself actually going. I went downstairs earlier on. Wait,
0: you went out of the apartment just dangling everywhere?
2: Yeah, I I was in the elevator and I looked in the mirror and I could sit and I was like, oh, I best I best drop this package off quickly. <laughs> no pun intended there.
0: I mean, remember we went to. Cleveland, to stay at my parents' house. Yeah. And you brought... I wore underwear. No, but that one morning... Okay, so this is partially my fault, because my dumbass got you this, like, cute pair of, like, Calvin Klein PJs. And Uh I was like, oh, it's like a nice royal blue. He loves blue pajamas. I'll be a cute girlfriend. But it's a thin material.
2: It is a breezy material, yes.
0: And this hoe was gonna go downstairs... To where my mom, Octavia, was in the kitchen and make a cup of bloody tea with his dick flopping around in his pajama pants.
2: I can't help it if your mother wants to grab a look. (laughs) (laughs) Octavia's not
0: about that (laughs) life. She's been happily married for 40 years. Yep. She's not looking for no British (laughs) dong.
2: Can we move off the subject? I feel very attacked.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm just letting you know I love your penis, but...
2: But you don't want to see it in the morning. Yeah. Okay, noted, and I'll try to do better.
0: Anyway, I'm very excited because today we have a great episode. But before we get to that, (gasps) I have two orders of business.
2: What's on the agenda?
0: First order of business we have mother freaking merch, you guys.
2: Mother freaking merch.
0: So go to phoeberobinsoncom slash merch. Get yourself a t-shirt or a sweatshirt or both sizing small to triple XL. Brilliant. So go get that phoebeerobinson.com slash merch.
2: Second order of business.
0: Second order of business. Hold on to your pants, you guys. Because as I announced last week, Mm -hmm. we have a sponsor. Dun, dun,
2: dun. And
0: it's not from Squirrel Box. No. Not from Stamps.com. We're
2: not trying to make you build a website.
0: So fuck off Wix. (laughs) Damn.
2: (laughs) Shots fired.
0: (laughs) It's not from Lamborghini.
2: Not that they sponsor videos, but it's not from them.
0: It's not from Oprah's Book Club or you two. or you two, Even though I've reached out to Bono and I was like, "Yo, bonbons, yeah, hey, bonbon, hook hook it up," and then he never wrote <laughs> back. I did not email him about no, no. giving me money. <laughs> but this is very exciting, you guys, because I think part of the point of this podcast was to make sure I'm using my platform to highlight a black owned business each mm-hmm. episode. And this black-owned business was like, hey, we love so much what you're doing. Can you shout us out for three weeks in a row? And I'm like, wow. So I am, (laughs) It sound like a 12-year-old. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So I am, of course, talking about one of my favorite skincare companies, Bolden. Okay, so you could go on to Instagram. I was going to say Instagram.com. I (laughs) like turned into my mom.
2: The (laughs) Instagram.com.
0: She still has an AOL account. Oh, God. And Octavia checks the AOL news.
2: Oh, and the weather. The AOL weather.
0: (laughs) It's so cute when mom is like talking about like the Kelly Clarkson news she saw on AOL. And I'm like, I've noticed
2: all the like, News articles your dad sends us is <laughs> at dot AOL.com. It's
0: either AOL.com or MSN.com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, not The Atlantic? No. No.
2: no. <laughs> the Times? No. Oh.
0: <laughs> Shout out to MSN. Okay, but I love this skincare brand, brand, Bolden. I feel like I started using them like a year, a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. <clears throat> as you know, babe. I have hyperpigmentation it's been a struggle it's been a journey Mm -hmm. and i use their um facial wash every day and it's really helped with my skin and it's so amazing and it's really just good to have products that are made for people who have melanin in their skin because it really you are i feel like i'm actually protecting my skin but they do all kinds of things they have like Overnight spot treatments, moisturizers. They have sunscreens, Ooh. cleansers, bars, all the things. So you guys need to go to BoldingUSA.com and you can go to their handle, which is BoldingUSA. And that is B oh. as in beware, beware of danger.
2: <laughs> o as in?
0: Optometry. That's a nice career path. Mm-hmm. L as in London. Because she took me there for my birthday. Okay. And that was really cute. 2017. Mm-hmm. E as in Epicenter. N as in.
2: No, no other D. Just checking.
0: Oh, descub. <laughs> 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 okay let's start over okay b as in beware o as in optometry l as in london d as in dictionary e as an epicenter n as in nickelback
2: oh <laughs> carry on
0: u as in usa <clears throat> Okay, you make fun of this this spelling process, and now you want to get involved?
2: <laughs> I'm just trying to hurry it along so we can get to today's episode. Excuse
0: me, S as in sensuality, and A as in
2: ah oh, bloody L. Have you checked out Bolden yet? <laughs>
0: BoldenUSA.com. you guys. Truly, this will make for a great Christmas present, birthday present, all the things.
2: All the presents.
0: And you might have like a nice little face mask if you want to do it. It's like a five-minute one, so it's a quick mask because a lot of these masks are out here like you want to give us –
2: We need 60 minutes of your life. Yeah,
0: and it's like, what? Yeah. I have things to do. I have to go from my bedroom to my living room. Back to my bedroom. <laughs> so give me these five minutes, and that's it. Bolden USA. Okay. Third order of
2: business. Today's episode. It's a bloody good one.
0: We have this is really a fun topic. The theme mm-hmm. today is siblings. And we got a lot of questions. We did. People were like, let me tell you about this trick over here. <laughs> <laughs> And when I came up with this theme, I was like, oh, there's only two people that I could talk to about this. So I hit up my girls, Tegan and Sarah, because they are, you know, a, they're charming and funny and hilarious, but they're also twins. They work together. They're in a band. They write together like they are yeah. so in each other's lives. I just think it'd be really interesting to talk about what it means to have a sibling with someone you're that close to.
2: Especially in the working life as well. Mm -hmm. That's such a hard dynamic to balance. Mm
0: -hmm. And you and I both have siblings. Mm -hmm. And I get along with my brother, but I feel like you always say like, Phil and I always sort of revert back to... You're serious
2: and like checking up on each other's lives for the first five minutes of any kind of interaction. (laughs) And then it reverts straight back to you being teenagers and just like pushing each other's buttons.
0: It was very true. But then you go
2: back again to like actually a serious subject and then mm-hmm. and then just like drift off the conversation, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I noticed in the background this animation of me. Very cute. Yeah.
2: I changed my desktop background.
0: Anyway, in all seriousness, you know, thinking about the holidays, it makes me think about family. So I think when people are having maybe sort of questions or concerns about like how they can improve their relationship with their siblings or... At least come to an agreement if Mm. even if they're not going to get close the way they used to be. Um, I just thought this was like a really great episode. And this is one where it's like I could do a siblings episode literally every year because the dynamics are just so different every single time. Yeah. I think like having these conversations about family are so key because family truly impacts every single relationship that we have in our lives
2: going forward. For sure.
0: So without further ado. Here is my boy of you. Oh God! With two of my favorite mates, tegan and Sarah. Hi, Tegan and Sarah.
3: <laughs> I wish I'm gonna when this comes out. I'm gonna make that my alarm sound. Like when it, it's just gonna be like. Just
0: every morning, I want to hear that. Oh! <laughs> Thank you for joining me on Black Fraser. I'm so excited. This is it's been so fun to record these these podcasts. But I feel like each episode we get to go deep, which I think is what people want. And you know, we we had enough of like the sort of like just kind of tell me about your record or tell me like if I have to talk about to- Toot Up Queens one more time and like what was it like <laughs> to to like host it? It's like. That's a question that no one cares about um, <laughs> <laughs> at all. Like it's, it was fine. Like we got paid, we showed up, and you know we had carrots as a snack. Like no big deal. Ooh, so I, what I want to do with lovely. this podcast is just kind of like dig deep into each theme with each guest that I have on. And so today, you guys are the first time we're doing like two, lo- like three locations for Black Fringe during COVID. This is quite a technological feat. Um, and, uh, people were very excited, uh, when I posted that, I was going to interview you guys. And so I want to talk to you about siblings. I feel like when I announced this podcast, people had questions about dating and questions about siblings. So I was like, okay, we got to get in here and like, talk about this ASAP. Um, so I'm so excited. Um, and I think it's going to be a really, really cool conversation and hopefully everyone listening will love it. Um, I, so I have an older brother who turns 40 this year. I cannot believe that. I truly can't believe that. Um, and you know, we were sort of like, we were like double trouble growing up as kids. And then, you know, he was four years older. And so he got to high school and he's, you know, has his friend groups and he's dating. And then he went off to DC to go to college. And so we sort of drifted apart. And then I think when he started having kids again, uh, not again! But he started having kids for the first time. <laughs> Get a first. Round. Started, that second round was really what brought us together. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, he, I have a niece and nephew, and I think him having kids really sort of made us go like, "Oh yeah!" Like we really got to make sure that our bond is like super tight again. And so we've gotten so much closer than we have been maybe in like the past ten years, which has been amazing. Um, and really exciting. So I'm curious to sort of kind of talk to you guys about your journey and your relationship. I mean, you, you, you two also work together, um, and just sort of like seeing each other as adults. Cause I know sometimes when my brother and I like hang out, we immediately revert back to, I am 12 year old Phoebe. He's 16 year old PJ and he's giving me a hard time and I'm yelling and screaming And my boyfriend's like, why are you guys acting like kids? Like, what (laughs) is wrong with you? So I'm wondering, do you guys have that sort of relationship where you kind of fall back into these old patterns? And how do you think your relationship to each other is now? I had um,
1: a couple years ago, I went and saw this therapist with my girlfriend um, to talk like we wanted to add to our toolbox some like boundaries and skills with dealing with family Mm. because her family lives in Brazil. And my family is always there, and yeah. so it was basically like, how do we deal? with Not this? in and
3: Brazil.
1: Not in Brazil. <laughs> sorry, I mean always there in our lives. Like you know, obviously with Sarah yeah. and I working together, but then when we're home, so like you know, a lot of family involvement in our lives. Mm-hmm. And um, the therapist was bad, like very bad. And um, there's stories for another day over over margaritas. But one of wow. the good things that she taught us was this idea that like, you know, a lot of the sibling relationship, like the conflict that Sarah and I were having was this return to homeostasis. As much as we Mm -hmm. were developing as human beings and as much as we had expanded and stretched ourselves and added to our toolbox and all that crap in our relationships, our working relationships with our friends, how we have so little conflict outside of, you know, the sibling relationship, but Mm -hmm. why do we have conflict within the relationship. And she was like, it's just the draw, the drawback to homeostasis, that first core relationship with your family. It's so strong and you have to fight it all the time. And mm-hmm. I think Sarah and I are really, maybe Sarah will disagree, but I think we get along pretty well as long as we're not talking about work. But like mm. the second we start to talk about work, you know, it's this thing that we've had to share Mm-hmm. Our entire adult life, you know, we have our own partners. We have our, a lot of our own friends. We've often lived in the same – or different cities. We really have like our own identity. But then mm-hmm. when it comes to Tegan and Sarah, which eats up a ton of real estate in our life, that's like where we really have to share all the time. And I think that's why we revert back to some of those like kid – kid behaviors where it's like almost like competitive and we don't really mm-hmm. listen to each other. Like when Sarah's telling me a story about her life or her friends, I would never like interrupt her or question it, you know, but <laughs> when she starts to talk about my fucking band, I'm like, <laughs> hold up.
3: Hold on a second. <laughs> it's interesting because I, I have this instinct to also define when we talk about work, what we're talking about, because mm-hmm. I don't, Tegan and I, don't, we rarely argue over creative endeavors. Like we don't mm-hmm. Like we're working on a a book together right now. That wait requires a second one, a second book. Yeah, but it's a book. It's a graphic novel, and we're it's cool. fiction, and we're, and we're and we're and we we sort of purposely are writing it totally different than our memoir, where mm-hmm. the memoir was like our stories, and so we didn't really meet each other as collaborators until much later into the process of actually like threading the book together. Mm-hmm. But the graphic novel, because it's fiction. And it's told from one point of view, it's required that we collaborate pretty much like from day one. And, wow. you know, so, like, and we don't fight, like we don't argue about it. There's this like really nice synergy and flow to like the way we're working. But so when Tegan says like we argue, I think we argue about the business a lot. We have mm-hmm. really different, um, like the different ways that we cope and manage and decision make and like, our, biz- like our business
1: is successful because of me, but it's cool because of Sarah.
3: <laughs> wow. Uh-oh. <laughs> is there going to be a <laughs> throw down on the podcast today? <laughs> <laughs> what brings up, Phoebe, for you, What what yeah. with PJ, like, where's the, where, where, what are like, what are your conflict tension points still as adults?
0: Gosh. I mean, he just know like, he's the older sibling, so he just knows how to, like, needle or say that one little comment that, like, sort of sets me off. And the other thing is, so my parents are very supportive of my career, but I told them like never to listen to two Up Queens. Like I was like, it's so raunchy. <laughs> it's so inappropriate. Like, I just think it would just be weird for everyone. They are totally fine with that. And sometimes there'll be like clips of me like online, like doing my stand up where I'm also like making sex jokes about my boyfriend and he will just like want to cue it up over Thanksgiving dinner. Like just so I can be so uncomfortable. So it's just things of, <laughs> like where he likes to like poke and prod. and But I think the other thing with us is, you know, I think when we were younger, pro- definitely like during high school, when I was a freshman and he was a senior, I was for sure in his shadow, right? Like he was like the big man on campus. He was super cool. Like every girl liked him. He got, I don't know, he was like a 4.0 student. Like he was just like... If you went down like textbook, like this is like the ideal high schooler that I want. It was him. And I was a slacker and I was like awkward (laughs) and I like never had any dates. I like didn't know what I wanted to do. Like he's a local politician in Cleveland. He's he also works at a nonprofit and he's always had that like service energy about him, even when he was like a Mm -hmm. little kid. So he knew what he wanted to do forever and I didn't. So we were just so opposite. And I felt like everyone liked him. And I was just sort of like this disappointment because I didn't live up to what he was. And, you know, obviously as an adult, I can go, well, I felt a lot of that and people maybe necessarily didn't. But it's hard, especially when you're a teenager, you just Mm -hmm. you feel so like, oh, my body's weird. Like, I suck. I'm not cool. I have acne like I don't know. That's like, literally, I'm about
1: to turn 40 and that's literally me now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm awkward. My
0: body sucks. I have acne. <laughs> oh, teeks. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of felt like this loser in comparison to him. And so mm. I think as adults now, I, you know, I have my own business. Like, I'm really sort of confident. I have, like, an amazing partner. And, like, I really feel like I'm in a good place self-confidence wise. So I think my relation to him has gotten better because I worked on myself, Mm -hmm. but it took me a long time to realize, girl, you're making this so much more difficult than it needs to be because you don't like yourself, which is like, Mm -hmm. that's some real talk. And that's a scary thing to say to yourself, but it, it really helped me sort of get over my own shit, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, also your, like your perception of yourself, also influences how you perceive everyone else mm-hmm. and i think you know for sarah and i a huge huge turning point in our our relationship as siblings but also as business partners came when i really started to listen to sarah about how she perceives herself how she mm. sees herself because i think my relationship to sarah was often fraught because i have a very different like perspective on who i am and how i sit in the world but also how sarah sits in the world mm-hmm. i see us a specific way i've always really I think I came into this world with like an enormous amount of confidence and 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 purpose and you know aggressiveness about like this is how things are going to be and we're awesome and we deserve this and Sarah had such a different outlook and way mm-hmm. of of uh, yeah and 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 it would cause a lot of conflict cuz I was always pushing my you know you know my vision of who we were and and what she was and I think You know, I still fall into that trap, but I think Mm -hmm. repairing my relationship with myself, but also allowing Sarah to dictate the terms of how she sees herself, like especially as twins, like you're just treated – even now, we're like 40-year-old women and we're sometimes treated like we're still one person or we're kids. Like we also live in this stunted space of like we've never really – left the nest in a way because mm. we're still together. And this family element to our business has kind of kept us youthful or young or stuck. And I think it's it really is just like letting Sarah be her own person and not letting myself think that that is an extension of me. And And the same for Sarah, like not letting her see herself as an extension of me and treating me that way. Like if I mm. act like a dick or say something ridiculous, she should just let me be that person, like, you know, not think that it's going to to influence how people treat her, even though it will. But, you know, that's that's the hard part is that it will. If I say something dumb, Sarah suffers, but mm. she has to let me say something dumb. Like, yeah. I just – sometimes I have to put my foot in, foot in my mouth and sometimes <laughs> she has to wear an outfit that looks bad and I just have to let her do it even though people will absolutely tag me in the photo too. <laughs> wow
3: yes sarah, do you... these are str- these are strong feelings i didn't know tiki was suffering so much by these tagged photos of me that i was wearing a bad out- what bad outfit is one another
0: question i'd like to ask let's queue up getty images we got to get to the bottom <laughs> of it. Jeez. um but i know that oh sorry i'll let you go ahead sarah then i have a, a follow-up question no, g- follow it up. I love this. Oh, great. No, I was I was I'm glad you guys brought up your memoir in high school, which is an amazing mm. book. If you haven't bought it, buy it now, support all authors. Um, you know, I think you guys are so candid and you're so open about your relationship and how you saw each other growing up. So if for the people who haven't read the book yet, can you sort of um talk about how you each saw each other growing up and mm-hmm. how you view each other now?
3: yeah so it's actually it's interesting because as Tegan was talking about you know the the way that we've been perceived I mean that was really illuminating when we were writing our memoir because we specifically um, write about our teenage years um mm-hmm. so starting around when we just had turned fifteen and then uh, wrapping up at the end of high school we were seventeen turning eighteen so those those years um you know obviously difficult for everyone I think um, even the ones who seem like they're not having a difficult time mm-hmm. but really specifically difficult we grew up in the 1990s we were both uh sort of starting to have uh an awakening of like oh god we're we're gay we were having that at like very different speeds mm-hmm. and we were not talking about it with each other so a lot of the book is um is sort of uh yeah, uh you know that kind of that kind of tension and conflict and push and pull of like i i was really aware of my desire and my sexuality mm-hmm. and I started having a relationship in secret with my with my best friend who's a girl and Tegan was um, in my in my mind as an adult, especially I've looked back on those years and assumed Tegan was having very similar feelings and experiences and so when we were writing the memoir, I would get drafts of Tegan's chapters and I would be like kind of like, where's the part about how you were like dying inside, like how I was dying inside, you know, like, it just wasn't there. And, uh, but I was going to say, actually, you know, I I was curious about the way that you and your brother ended up so different. And I, and not to blame parents, it's just, I think a lot of times our parents think they're parenting us the same Mm. and they, you know, like they, they're best of intentions. I love both my kids equally, you know, but when I went, when we were writing the memoir, I went back through all of my, journals and actually friends of ours sent us notes that they had kept from when we were teenagers. And I actually address the fact that my mom treats Tegan differently than me, that they have a carefree relationship, that they can be affectionate with one another still. And even at 15 years old, I think um I sort of took the I I, I had I sort of had the um the idea that my mom was rejecting something about me. Um, when probably my mom experienced me as being, as rejecting her, you know, Mm -hmm. like I was pushing her away. And so it did really inform like how I experienced Tegan and my place within the family, because I, in, in the notes I write, like, I feel left out. I feel like, um, you know, I'm not getting the same kind of love and affection and, and, um, encouragement you know, that Tegan was what I saw Tegan getting. And I wondered if you and PJ sort of have that too. Like, did you, were your parents more one way with him than they were with you?
0: Well, first I should say I was a giant bitch when I was a teenager. Like, <laughs> oh my God, my poor, I'm like, if I didn't become a success, like truly they just wasted those oh. eggs <laughs> and that sperm. Like what the hell? Like I put them through a lot. Um, and so I do think that, I think, our parents were very supportive of, e- of us and they really valued education in a way that I just sort of was like, well, I just want to do like the creative stuff. Like I like writing, I like reading, I like art class. Like I don't care about science, I don't care about math, I don't care about these things. So I was very much sort of kind of like to my own drummer sort of way you know what i mean i i think my parents always suspected that i was never going to have like a nine to five job and like go to the same bar every week for a happy hour or whatever you know you see on like how i met my your mother um and (laughs) (laughs) remember that show that's Um, exactly what i was imagining (laughs) (laughs) um but so i think they always knew that like he he was so books like he's the kind of person that he would just love to read presidential biographies that were 500 pages and had a teeny tiny font like he was like oh that's great or like he loved watching c-span i don't know if that's a channel that you guys get yeah 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 okay yeah but he that was like for fun And I was watching like (laughs) Moesha and he was watching local sort of like three people in a room talking about libraries and he loved that. And so I think our parents really sort of nurtured us sort of going down the path that we wanted to go down. But I think hearing you speak, I think it makes me look back at the way that I was with my parents and how I was like kind of shitty to my brother for a little bit. And I think I was sort of rejecting them because I didn't know who I was And I felt like he had everything figured out. And I was sort of going like, well, what the fuck? Like, I don't know what I want to do when I'm 18. Like, I don't know if I want to go to college. Like, all these unknowns, you know? And I think that sort of manifested as, like, aggression. As opposed to just being like, guys, I'm really nervous because I don't know what I want to do in a career. Like, I don't know where I want to live. Like, I just sort of turned that like either into creativity or anger, which is, I think, not Mm. super healthy. And I've done a much better job of not doing that. But I think our parents really did sort of like support us in the ways that we needed it. And I think I just was mentally and emotionally not in a place because I was like, well, I don't want to go to school. And it's like, well, the solution is like, not going like it's not just dropping out of school like that's not the plan (laughs) (laughs) but like i was just like i don't care about this shit and so i think my parents were so they were kind of hurt because they really wanted us to care about education in a way that would change our lives and i just i didn't see that when i was 14 i just felt like they were trying to force me to be like my brother which i'm not yeah yeah
3: it's interesting too because a, a big source of conflict when tegan and i were growing up was when we started to talk about not going to, to college, we, mm-hmm. in Canada, we were talking about university, but, um, and it's so interesting because another revelation for me in, in writing the memoir was that my mom was my hero. I mean, she mm-hmm. was a force and she had gone back to school as an adult and a single parent. she had taken out student loans. She'd gone back and and we were, I think we were in grade three the first time she went back. And then she went and did her master's when we were in high school. And, I thought she was so deeply inspiring. And it makes sense that she was encouraging us from a young age, not just by telling us, you have to go to school, you need to get, you know, you need to get degrees and to have all this success. She was showing us, she was mm-hmm. saying, "Here, look at me, look at what I'm doing and look at what I'm going to accomplish. And, you know, that wasn't a thing in our family. No one had gone to college or university. And so initially we were very like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And when we When we said, oh, we actually would like to take a year off or maybe pursue music, that too was a rejection of my mom, you know, and and this path that she had set out for us. And as an adult, it was really healing for me to also be able to say to my mom now, like, it wasn't just that we were rejecting school or we didn't want to do it, you know, it looked hard what my mom had gone through. Like, I grew up watching her you know, not eat dinner and and come home from, she would work too. And then she would pick us up and then she would be like doing her, her class stuff. And then she'd have to get up early again. It looked really hard. And I think as a teenager, suddenly that dream as a kid of like going to be a, becoming a lawyer, I was like, That looks so hard, and I don't really want to do do that. And so, um, being able to tell my mom now, like you know that that wasn't a rejection of like how she had lived her life. It was sort of like I had so much respect for her, and I didn't think I could do it. Yeah, (laughs) and I probably couldn't. At at seventeen, I was very interested in music and taking acid. I did not want to go and you know study harder and go to school more. You know, so but it's so interesting that idea of like you know as your siblings you know are making choices. It's like you're, you are sort of pitted, not pitted against each other, but it does feel like by one one person following that path can be like just a tremendous pressure on the other Mm -hmm. person. Even Tegan pretending to be straight. I'm not even joking. Like Tegan continued to have boyfriends after I I put, well, I wasn't,
1: it's not pretending when you're figuring (laughs) out your identity, you can tell me that, but I'm just cautioning you against using that terminology (laughs) when speaking about finding yourself. (laughs) Oh, people- You're going are- to be canceled. Yeah. The gay community <laughs> is going to cancel you. Okay. Sarah, see, see. Sarah Quinn, half of lesbian duo, <laughs> Tegan and Sarah, accuses people finding their identity of pretending. Yeah, okay. no, it's- it's No, I think that- Well, this is what I think is so super interesting is that I always really resonate with like movies or books or stories or friends' tales about growing up with their siblings, but there is something super, super specific to being an identical twin, you know, because a lot of my friends who have close, like you and PJ, you said are four years apart. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of our friends who are like two to four or five years apart, like there was a lot of conflict growing up because you're really compared. Your parents are like, wait, he just did it like this. Why can't you be like that? And I think with twins, it's just even more intense. You know, everything that we went through, we went through at the same time. And I think. Our parents did a pretty excellent job of treating us as individuals, but ultimately you do get treated the same. And there's this natural sibling rivalry and competition that comes out of that because you do feel – like my biggest fear in coming out wasn't about how the world would respond or my parents would respond. It was that Sarah would be angry that I was copying her. Like that was Mm -hmm. truly what prevented me from coming out initially. It was just a a deep-seated fear that she would feel that I was – on her ground that I would taken her space, you know? And I think, um, even as an adult, like even now, we joke about it all the time, but like the books we read or the television we get into or the music, like I often feel that there is a <laughs> like subtle telepathic message from Sarah. Like, don't, don't like all the same things as me, <laughs> you know? Like don't be exactly like me. Like don't, you know, if something looks great on Sarah or if Sarah tells me that a book that she – like I'll read it, I'll check it out, I'll like. I'll, I'll be into it. But there is this weird, subtle psychological war- warfare and I really get it. But to be our own people, even in adulthood, you know, mm-hmm. and I guess that, that's a product I think probably of still being so invested in each other's lives, you know, because of of our job. But that's still hard. Like it's still hard sometimes that like – Sarah's the reader, but I'm the reader too. But it's yeah. like Sarah's, you know, and it seems so small when you just hold it up as it's an own individual problem or issue. But when you start to collect all those little issues, it's like I can see why Sarah and I still struggle sometimes with, you know, being our own people. Like I always say that Sarah and I are referred to as the girls, the twins, the band, mm-hmm. them, the two of them. You know, like the the shareholders, our team calls us the shareholders, you know, or the Mm -hmm. talent, you know, and I just, we just, sometimes the desire to like unscrub Sarah from my identity is Mm -hmm. so strong. Like, and, and. and She means kill me off. (laughs) She means.
3: That's, it's like, that's like mafia language. She wants to scrub me from her. Yeah. Or like. Identity. Like That's have threat come- and it's been recorded. So <laughs> if something happens to me, this might no, be evidence.
1: I, I say this all the time too. Like I was always, I always embraced our identity. I was, there's, mm-hmm. I I think there's always one twin that really wants to be the twin. And I was always the twin that really loved our identity and wanted to use it to get us ahead. Mm-hmm. But in the last like five years, I'd say, and I think this corresponded with, we lived in different cities for 12 years and then Sarah moved to LA and, a lot of the friends that I had there that I had developed friendships with for 10 years just immediately adopted Sarah. And partly because they had a relationship with Sarah, very different than mine, Yeah, but they just adopted her immediately. And all of a sudden my friends and my social circle included Sarah. And of course I wanted that. I love Sarah and I think she's really fun and amazing. And like, I don't have the right to tell people they could be friends with her or not but there was a morning that happened for me where it was like oh like a lot of these people that maybe i thought of as my confidants aren't aren't and it's not a normal sibling relationship like i have to talk about sarah a lot because i deal with her on so many different areas of my life and so many layers and so carving out space for myself has become super important but it's really hard to do that yeah. when you're an identical twin and everybody even people who have never had, like, I have friends who only have a relationship with me, but they have affection for Sarah. They have affection for her. They talk about her and appreciate us because I'm very likable. See, see I, her. You well, like you're no, 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 no. But, no, but, you know, but they're <laughs> She's like, like, they don't even know her, but <laughs> they have affection for her. No, no, but of course they do. But, but I mean, like, that, um, that spills over into this weird territory where it's like, I'm like really respectful, like that. You know, Sarah, maybe you just t- like to, maybe her just own like, identity.
3: Maybe the people you're friends with are too generous and too nice. Like, I have, I have, I had friends when I lived in Montreal all those years, I had friends who didn't even, kept forgetting that you even existed. Like, I just like <laughs> assholes. <laughs> I like assholes. I like people who are just. I do have really I, nice
1: friends. I don't know what to say, <laughs> but I wanna, I wanna say, like, I, but I think some of this again is. Is psychological and is is a, an issue around twins and less about the people. Like I always, I have this joke. It's not even a joke, but I have the story I always tell about how people will come backstage. It would just be me. I'll just be in the room alone. I'll open the door. You know, the tour manager brings, "Oh, your guest has arrived," and and I'll open the door and I'll be like, "Hi," and they'll be like, "How are you guys?" But it's just me. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, and, and I'm like. And I understand what they're saying. It's a catch all for how's the tour. What have you guys been up to? You know, all this mm-hmm. stuff. But there is also part of me that's like, why can't you see? it's just me? Why is it? <laughs> why am I not enough?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes me want to ask you guys sort of about, I have a couple of follow questions because you guys drop so many nuggets that I'm, I'm scrambling to pick up. But the first thing, <laughs> no, no, it's great. I, I, please talk away because people, this is very fascinating. People are going to love this. Um, <laughs> But one of the things I'm I'm curious about because you guys are twins and you sort of had to figure out how you were going what your identity was going to be independent of each other, yet still work together. I'm wondering what that process was like, if it's still ongoing. And then also in terms of your sexuality and Tegan, how you were saying, like, well, I don't I was scared to come out because Sarah came out first and I don't want her to think she's copying me. How did you guys sort of have a conversation and kind of like reconcile maybe the, that fear that you had and just be like, no, this is who I am too, and I'm I swear I'm not trying to, you know, bite off your style. Mm-hmm. Like I truly just like this is also my. Could I do that right well. now?
1: Could I tell yes. Sarah that now? It's yes. been twenty
0: years, but uh.
3: <laughs> I don't think we did ever have that conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that some of this stuff is really easy to sort of, um to see now. I don't, I don't know if we really know, noticed this. I think that there were just sort of fractures. There was damage. There was things that needed to sort of over time. um, I don't know. Like we, we sort of recovered our relationship, you know, like it was sort of like little pieces of it. We would sort of like build it back up over time. And I think that, you know, even now, like listening to Tegan talk about the struggles of like feeling like she wants to have her own things, her own people. Like these are really, I think these are really like normal, like behaviors. And, um, and I know that for myself, I think I, I think I arrived while I am the younger twin. I do think I sort of arrived at some of this stuff earlier than Tegan. Like I moved to Montreal when I was 22, which for just not trying to condescend, like the geography for people who aren't aware, like the difference between Vancouver and Montreal is pretty much akin to like LA and New York. Like that was far. And for 2002, like I didn't have high speed internet. I didn't, I don't even know if I had a cell phone. Like it was really, it was like, I was moving to Antarctica and Tegan was devastated. I mean, she was like, it, it to me, it revealed itself more as anger. Like it was like, how can you, how, so how are we going to have a band? how are we going to have a career? Like, why would you, why are you moving? You don't even know anyone there. Like there was a lot of that sort of. Um, And then I think, I don't think I said to her in a calm, rational way, like, this is important for my self identity and I really need to like strike out on my own and see if I can be me. And, you know, can I move to a city where I don't know anyone and you know, what am I without you? And like, you know, like that sort of thing. I think I just was like, fuck off. I'm going to do what I want to do and like, don't be a bitch about it. But I think like, that ultimately was what I was doing. I was 22. And I wanted to like, I wanted to go have my going to college experience, I guess, like I wanted to like, get out of, you know, get out of Tegan's shadow in some way. And um, I think it I think our our relationship would have been easier if we had been able to say those things to each other. Like, while I think we were really good emotional, um, you know, communicative people in certain areas of our lives with each other, there was this sort of arrested development for a long time and it probably would have made things a lot easier if I'd been able to say that. But um, yeah, I think over the years we've recovered some of that relationship stuff where it's like, okay, I actually feel close to you again. I could, I want to be in the same city as you, or um, even with our music, there's times where we're in the same band, but man, it feels like we're in totally different spaces. And then there's Mm. times like right now where we're collaborating daily on, um, on projects. And it's like, there's like a real connective connectedness. And so I don't know, it just like, it sort of ebbs and flows. Like, I guess we're almost like a married couple. Like, you know, when you talk to those old married couples and they're like, oh yeah, we ignored each other for our forties and fifties. And then it's like, (laughs) it was back to fuck mountain for our sixties. And then it's just like, why are you saying this as
1: a comparison to us? Why? (laughs) I'm just saying like,
3: couples they go through these like ebbs and flows of <laughs> connectivity and like I think Tegan and I are similar like sometimes we're like really excited to be working on stuff with each other and then there's times where it's like I need my own space like I want to I want to yeah. see other projects you know like I just want to do other things
0: okay fun Tegan, I-
3: hates- <laughs> <laughs> Tegan hates it when I use because there's this, like, whole – there's this whole, like, twin girl gay thing where, like, everyone assumes she, that we are we, incestuous. What? We took – so no, well, Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's a whole a,
1: thing. It's a whole thing.
3: It's because there's, a like, thing. this
1: – it's a, it's a straight fetish thing, right? Because they always want, like, two girls for a guy, and so sisters yeah. is, like, even more – it's gross. We – you know what? Sarah, Sarah uses this – like mar- married
3: shames incestuous twins. Like I mean, you can't. Well, like very careful, Teagan.
1: I don't know if I do. I don't know if I could get. I don't know if I could get in trouble. <laughs> with that.
3: You might get in trouble with g- twins who like to have sex with other people together. Like, let's just not be That's like, judgmental.
1: Fu- okay, fine, but that would be fine with me. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, Sarah and I went out and did like I don't know. We did maybe a dozen meetings um, when we were getting ready to sell. Our um, book—I'm blanking on the word. Wow. What is it called? Proposal. Sorry, guys. Sorry, it's hot <laughs> here. Um, I Have to close all the windows. It gets—it's it's getting hot. I'm in a sauna right now, so I'm just going to start to trip out. But uh, <laughs> you're going to be Trump
3: yesterday in the Rose Garden. Yeah, totally.
1: I'm going to fall <laughs> apart. My makeup's going to melt. Um, so we took a dozen meetings when we were selling our book proposal. I would say, and in almost every single one, Sarah would bring up this whole theory that – or this idea, like I don't even know what you would call it, that she had this idea, which is that I'd never – like I don't really – I don't want to have kids. And my partner Mm and I, we've been together five years. We're pretty sure we're not going to have kids. There's still a window. She's younger than me. But we were pretty much like, eh. But Sarah and her partner talk about kids a lot. And Sarah started telling these like complete strangers in the publishing world at almost every meeting that Sarah had this great idea, which is that we both don't need to have kids. Sarah is going to have a kid and it'll be the heir to our – Empire, you know everything will go to and will and there'll be like a co-parenting kind of whatever. And it was like you know people would kind of get into like would listen and whatever. But I was like, hey, I think this is a little weird to talk about with people. Like, I think maybe if you use
3: the only if you use the patriarchal heteronormative framework. I mean, what is a child? You don't. I'm not saying we have to make a child in a sexual concourse. I'm saying that we if you could just make a child and then assign it, like, it's like a business, like you have been like, this is what the Royal family is. This is, is, would, this is literally what it in the like
0: a business, Sarah. I got to I got a little,
3: little Billy is going to, he, he will know. He knows like you have been born into this family to carry on the Tegan and Sarah legacy. What is the Royal family? I mean, that is what it is. They basically have children so that they can keep their castles and their capes. I mean, that's what it is. So for me, I was like, I would have the child. Obviously, it would be my kid, but I'm saying it would sort of be it would be a it would be a shared investment opportunity for Tegan and Sarah, the brand, you know, so that there would be this kind of caretaker, if you will, this this uh, archival, this person who sort of like takes care of our business as after we're long gone and dead. I don't know. I think it's a good idea. We'd probably get some write-offs. Like, I think it would be this great.
0: This is the worst Shark Tank pitch I've ever heard in my life.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm ahead of my time. I might be ahead of my time. <laughs> Could be. Um, well, I, but, Phoebe, I, went, I was yes. wondering, it's not like a sibling, mm-hmm. but you kind of came to the public. Like, you really sort of, like, became, like, a public figure as a part of a duo. I mean, you yes. were, you. you know, like, what... But is there stuff in there that you can like like you recognize like, oh yeah, you kinda want to do your own thing or like was there stuff like that?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean the thing is when Jess and I met in twenty fourteen, I've been doing stand-up for about six and a half years. So I had that time where I was solo mm-hmm. and obviously no one gave a shit about what I was doing yet. But I, I had my identity on stage. And so when we started working together, it didn't feel it didn't feel like, oh, I need to get out of this. Like I was I sort of went into, it, and I think Jessica did as well, it's like, oh, this is a fun... Like, we we didn't go into Two Dope Queens thinking it was going to become what it did. So we didn't right. think about HBO. We didn't really think about a podcast. We just wanted to do, like, a fun show in Brooklyn that we could walk to, hang out with our friends, and then go home. And so I think because it just sort of turned from this fun thing into a business venture... That, I think, made it different than if I was like, hey, let's work together. I think we're going to be in HBO. And she was just sort of like, well, I have a daily show. Like, I'm really not. Like, I think that would have made things trickier. Um, Mm -hmm. But I I feel like I had a good sense of who I was as a performer. And, you know, I'm older than her. I think when Two Queens really broke out, I was 32. So I think it's a different sort of... Just like in your 30s, you kind of know yourself more. And so I think it's easier to not get caught up in the duo of it all. And it also I was able to more easily accept, okay, people are going to look at us as a duo. Whereas I think if it was something that we started when I was 25, I think I would have mm-hmm. been like, quit, quit looking at us as a duo. Like I'm my own person. Like I did stand right. up for six years before I met her. Like in my thirties, like I didn't feel the need to say that because I'm like well of course this is how people discovered me so yeah they're gonna relate me back to Jessica and accept that because it really opened up my life in this wonderful like amazing way so I think I was able to sort of get through it and not feel this level of resentment I mean she was the famous one and I was just like this little scrappy Brooklyn comic so for me it was so low stakes I was like Nobody knew who I was before. Now some people do. I guess that's cool, but I'm still not famous, famous in the way that she is. So I think for me, it's been easier to sort of navigate that because it's sort of I I could still just go about and do stand up. I and or I can write or I can produce and or podcast, and it's just really kind of business as usual because I always like to have 20 jobs that I'm doing at once. So Tito Queens just felt (laughs) like another job that I had. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, what about you two in terms of working together? Like, I mean, you guys have been in band for a really long time. And just in general, for bands to make it this long is so rare. And then to have the family element on top of that. I mean, what has sort of been the process of keeping the the work alive, but also making sure that your relationship doesn't become just this business transaction but you still have that love and that family element there too.
1: I think that's gotten easier as time has gone on for sure. And I'd say in the last, you know, four or five years, we've settled into a a, a bigger, more um, rich family life and friend mm-hmm. life. And just like, you know, we're in a different position in our career where we don't have to work as much. Like, you know, in the earlier part of our career, you take any tour that people gave you and we were working constantly and, the quality of life on those tours was so low that, you know, when we got off the road, the last thing I wanted to do was hang out with Sarah. And I think our lives have become so rich in so many different ways.
0: That, financially. I'm just
1: kidding. Like financially is a big part of it. Yeah. And now we can like go on a vacation to Greece She's with our like, parents. Once we became rich, um, <laughs> yeah, we yeah, totally so like, got along with each other. Now we're happy. It's crazy. It's just there's money. It's Turns like out money can buy happiness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, like some of it is – yeah, we get to go on a vacation together and it's really fun and it's not attached to work. It's not like, oh, we're finishing the tour in Des Moines so let's add a couple days there and hang out as a family. Like we're, you know, we're able to enjoy our time outside of work together in a really different way and that really helps. But I also think that like I said, the quality of life that we experience now, even when we're on tour, is not so hard. I mean, touring was tough. Mm. The first 10 years of our career were awful. When I hear young bands two years into their career or even five years into their career complaining, I'm like, fuck you. (laughs) Go on YouTube. (laughs) Literally the first 10 years of our career, we were in a van, if we were lucky. Sometimes it was the Greyhound bus. And it was hard. Man, it was hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard being a woman in indie rock. It was hard being gay. There was like a tough time. So I I I think that we weren't necessarily always jumping into creative ventures full speed ahead, excited, like, all right, time to do a new record. It was our life was tough. There were so many hurdles. It was really awful. And then we get off the road and the one inspiration we had was our creative inspiration and we would pour that into music. But we do that so separate from one another that it's really just been, I'd say, in the last you know five or six years that we've started to collaborate willingly, openly, and collaborate, really collaborate, You know, starting with our memoir. But now we're working on these graphic novels and there's just other projects that we work mm-hmm. on now and it feels exciting. And There are ways – like our business had been really – like I was always in charge of doing business shit. The accountants, the lawyers, the paperwork, having the tough conversations with the label, that really fell on me, which I come to naturally, so it's fine. But Sarah was initially – like she was with our creative director who's been with us now like 17 years. Like she was with her for six years. So they really held up the creative – Fun part of our career for a lot of time too, and and I think we've also taken down those walls. We're not as siloed. Mm-hmm. Sarah and I really also are each other's teammate in other parts of our career. Like we can go on vacations now and say, "I'm gone for the next week. Sarah's in charge. Just go to her and don't even email me. Don't even tell me. What, don't tell me what happened while <laughs> it's happening. Just tell me later if anything big happened." And I think that's really helped us to become more. Successful in life personally, but also as a band, I think because we're sort of, I I know what my strengths are, or I'm better at understanding what they are, and I really know what Sarah's are, and I and I lean on her now to help me. Whereas I think in my 20s, I like similar to what you were talking about, like we we struggled through finding ourselves as a duo, mm-hmm. so we didn't become our own people until now, and yeah. so I think there's less conflict, but. I we're still figuring it out. I mean, we're still. I Sarah doesn't give a lot like feedback in the way that I like or want sometimes, and I'm sure I don't give it to her. What a
3: fun! This has been a fun conversation. Well, oh, that's Thank what, you what we're talking about. Show, inviting us to do this so that Tegan could use you as a conduit. You know, what? no, we talk about this all the time. We. we- <laughs> Don't even,
1: don't even, don't even pay, pay that mind. We, we talk about this on the internet, on our Instagram live on where does the good grow every week, but like we really need different things. And we're, mm-hmm. I think we're finally in a place where we're healthy enough that we're able to express that, you know, we're able to say what we need, you know, we're able to start telling each other like, Hey, could you give me more feedback or could you give me this kind of feedback? We're finally able to do that. We've never had those conversations, never in our career until now.
0: Yeah. That's I gonna, amazing, I, yeah,
3: I was gonna say too that also, I mean, and this might be a little bit of showing my hand of how I see the world and Tegan you know all of that really everything she says really makes sense, like I would have just told you like there is something so there was something so traumatic about the beginning of our career, mm. and then when we started to see success, it was sort of um. Like, I mean, I you I feel like you might relate to this. Like when when things happen in your world that are just like, they, they become very difficult to talk about with other people who haven't had the exact same mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. You can feel so isolated and you can talk. I mean, I can communicate with lots of different types of people, but Tegan really gets it because Tegan was there. Like I can explain like how wild it was to be on the Oscars and to, yeah. and to say like, we were standing behind the curtain with all these Broadway people dressed as Lego characters and like Will Arnett was there with dressed as fucking Batman. And like, people are like, wow, that sounds like amazing. But like Tegan was there. Like yeah. Tegan was witnessed to Tegan. Witnessed I, I kind of left you know? my
1: body. I actually really don't <laughs> yeah. remember much about the performance for sure.
3: Yeah. Right, like, but like there's something so profound about going through life with this witness, this person who like, I saw this, but so did Tegan. Like, like, I can tell those I'm using this story as an example because it's like the biggest, brightest story I can like use, but like, it's just like, I I, Tegan was on that stage. We both saw Oprah watching us. Like we were watched by Oprah, (laughs) you know, like, or like I saw Jennifer Aniston like 65 times during that performance of all the faces I could have grazed and stayed on. Like I just kept seeing Jennifer Aniston. I don't know why, you know? And it was just, Tegan knows because she was there too. And I think like those kinds of moments didn't happen. Like, well, we have lots of traumatizing moments that Mm -hmm. happened, but like once the good stuff really started to happen to us in our career, it made me feel closer to Tegan because it was like, finally we were like enjoying things that didn't Mm -hmm. make me feel sad or traumatized. And then that made me feel better about my job. It made me feel better about my sacrifice that I had Mm -hmm. made, you know? And, um, and then it ultimately just made me feel better about Tegan because,
0: you know, shit didn't suck anymore. Yeah. You're able to celebrate your hard work together instead of just sort of slogging through like another day where you're like, is it going to be shitty again? I guess. Great. You know, like, so I get that. Before we go to audience questions, which is my favorite part of the show, I want to ask one last question of you guys. And now everything that you've been through as siblings and as, you know, co-workers, band members, co-writers, all those things, how do you see each other now and what do you think is the other person's best quality that has helped, that makes you go, I admire that in you?
3: I mean, t- I mean we make jokes about it. T- Tegan's right. I mean, it's like maybe a little bit overemphasized, but like I admire that Tegan truly has had a vision for the business, like that she... You know, that not only that she did it because I didn't want to do it, but that it was so obviously a strength for her. Like, even at like twenty years old, she would walk into a boardroom with all these people from the record label and she would just like interrupt and talk over the like president of the label. Like, you know, she and I would just be like, Oh god, like we're gonna get in trouble and going would be like, I'm just gonna let let me just jump in and like just tell you about us, you know? And like I wouldn't have done that. You know, um, I probably... I mean, they're there to learn
1: about us. I mean, I don't really need to know no, about know. some <laughs> band they worked with <laughs> in <know>. the 80s.
3: <laughs> yeah, but so like, Tegan was just like, she would hold court, you know? Mm. And I think when I was younger, I felt relief that she would do that, but I don't know if I really understood how truly unique that was. And then that I was able to be a bit more... It, I think. I think that I'm so much more grateful now for the space to be creative because I think that's actually where... I really thrive is to be in that sort of more like introspective, alone, working, writing, that kind of place. And I it, and it has been a tremendous relief to know that Tegan is often sort of like zoomed out and like mm. looking at our business. And, ta- and she also makes friends with other bands and actors and people. Like she's very social. It's a strength that mm. I, I have like people in my phone who like, like I met a writer last year and I just look at his name in my phone sometimes. And I'm like, I really want to message him. And then I don't. And I don't know why I'm shy. I don't feel worthy of messaging this writer, but Tegan would already be like, that guy's coming to our 40th birthday. Like she would have just already like, she would have like cemented that, you know, and that's a strength. And I really see that as a strength now. Nice. Uh, Phoebe knows this because I
1: sent her a questionnaire yesterday about the business. I do. I, I, I rely deeply on the community of artists and creatives in my life that I care for very much. But, um, you know I think my my impression of Sarah like just thinking about her adult life, but even when we were kids to some degree is that I always thought she was an introvert and and I and I and in adult life I also found her to be a little snobby and this was sort of like a a, a, a I think partly because she was she was like I like certain books and I remember like Sarah started drinking scotch at like twenty five you know what I mean like she just <laughs> really had <laughs> like she's snobby like she she moved to New York. In her late twenties or when I don't know when you moved to New York, like 27, 28 years old, you know, and she was, you know, she wasn't hanging out with musicians in the village or something, you know. She was hanging out on the upper west side and the upper east side with weird savants who, you know, I would be around them and, and they were all really lovely. I mean this in the most caring way, but like for me it was almost it was insufferable at times because I was, you know, like I wanted to go. I don't know, I was still like going to punk shows. And I don't know, we were just so different. And so my 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 perception of Sarah through most of my adult life has been that she's an introvert and she's kind of snobby. And she often surrounds herself with people who I'm sure once you dig into them, they're wonderful, but on the outside would would sometimes be very unfriendly and insufferable. And now I under, I've come to understand and grow to see Sarah so differently. I think of her as a researcher. You know, mm. I think Sarah, you know, kind of drops into different worlds that and is open to exploring them and also finds the difficult people and, and opens them up to understand and comes back like to the main camp where I am like holding court, like the circus of my life and brings these really interesting finds that we would have never ever come across because I'm just tend to be more mainstream and in that lane. And mm-hmm. I've come to appreciate that even when it's prickly or off-putting initially that what Sarah's delivering to the camp is potentially... Something that will really enrich not just our friendships and our family group, but our life, our music, our art. You know, I've always said that I think Sarah is a better writer than me. I think I can write sometimes memorable things or really easily digestible songs, but I think mm-hmm. if you dive into Sarah's writing, her actual lyrics and what she's able to conjure, I can't do that. I try I sing her songs and try to just rip off her lyrics for my own songs that I even then don't It's just Sarah connects to the difficult parts of life and culture that I can't, and I really think it it's just it's a bonus to my life but also just like a crazy bonus to our to our work,
0: oh my gosh, those were like such wonderful <laughs> sure. compliments, and I was like, I don't think I've ever given my brother such a Thoughtful, amazing, multi-layered <laughs> compliments. So I'm going to do that after this podcast. <laughs> you um, okay. So this is the time. Uh, look at I this. I love this. I so love cute. that. Me and one of my wigs. So we got a lot of questions yeah. here. I'll try and like sift through a couple. This first one is from Anonymous and it's kind of juicy. So oh. fingers crossed. Okay. Anonymous writes, my sister just got engaged to a total asshole. <laughs> yikes their relationship and power dynamics are super hard to watch see controlling misogyny oh. etc and worst of all he's racist oh fucking hell oh he's geez. yeah he's white dump and states him. that he, I, yeah that's what i think too i'm like just tell your sister to dump him okay so uh anonymous continues he's white and states that he doesn't believe racism exists in everyday america and that no. the news sens- sensationalizes stories cherry on top he stated he's concerned about racism against white people with what he's seeing online <laughs> now. Kay. This dude is about to become a part of my family. So number one, help. And number two, I see a lose-lose situation if I tell my sis he's trash. How do I show up at their wedding expecting I'll need to make a speech and, you know, have him be a part of my family now? Ugh. Yes. That's it's a tough. rough one. That's That's really hard. Yeah. That's really
3: hard. I mean, I thought this was going to be a question, like, have you either, like, have you guys disliked each other's partners in the past? And it's, that's a really, it's, I definitely have never disliked someone so deserving Mm -hmm. of, of dislike, (laughs) you know, like, I've certainly had, like, (laughs) I've certainly had, like, you know, uh, I've, I've, I've had girls of T- that Tegan has dated that I've really loved and liked. And there's been other people who I was secretly like, I hope this doesn't work out. Um, <laughs> but, um, but and not they, and they knew that they knew that
1: because that, yeah. was
3: well, they were also hoping I wouldn't work out, you know, like they would just, <laughs> they would be like, can she, can, is there a chance that Tegan will choose me over Sarah? And it was sort of like, I just, you know, there was, they were, those were humorous situations, but, um, but again, like this was more like personality conflict stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't necessarily that I was like biting my nails thinking, oh God, is Tegan in danger? Or is she being spoken down to? Or is like her um, safety in question? Or is this person like a garbage person who's racist and whatever? Um, I don't think I would tolerate that. And actually, yeah. I think that it, I think that, um, you know, if there's, I don't know this person's situation enough to like advise that they do this, but I know that for myself, if Tegan was dating somebody who, uh, was hateful or did not share a similar sort of like moral compass like I would just be like absolutely not like total like these are my boundaries this person can't can't exist in this world with me yeah. anyway not yeah. like dead. like don't kill them but like, yeah. you know, like they can't exist in my like emotional space yeah. I think I would say that and this person sounds terrible and toxic but yeah it's so hard to say like what if it what if it did what if saying something did potentially wreck the relationship between this person and their sibling. That would be horrible. That would be horrible too. Yeah. You know, Ooh, what a shitty I mean, situation.
0: Is there something to like, if I've never done a family intervention, but I wonder if like, if anonymous was able to get everyone in the family in a room and just be like, listen, you know, this yeah. guy just says he's really racially insensitive things and is combative and, we want to be happy for you and you're getting married and we want to support you through all these things, but it makes it really difficult when he says racist remarks and see what she says about that. Because it's like you, of course you don't want to piss your sibling off and them not talk to you, but at the same time to be silently complicit, I think is also just as bad because it's saying, oh yeah, this toxic behavior is okay. I don't know. Yeah.
1: I actually think that's a really good, I I think that's, I think that's very reasonable, but also I think like, First of all, we all know this too from looking at other generations who've just stayed mm-hmm. together with toxic people. These things don't get better over time, right? As people get older, yeah. they get more stuck and stubborn and awful in their, if they're awful. So I think the time is now before a wedding to have that conversation. And I think doing it in a compassionate way because some people can't unravel the love they feel for someone from some mm-hmm. of their faults. And you know, racism seems like a pretty decent line to say like, nope, that's where I draw the line. But I think how you just phrased that, like to sit down and say, these are some things that are coming up and, and it just, I need to say it now and then we can move forward. But if I don't say it and it gets worse, I'll feel as if I didn't step in. Like this comes from a place of love and trying to like make sure you have the best life you possibly can. So, yeah, but.
0: Yeah. And I think I also wouldn't I wouldn't give a speech at the wedding. I'd be like, I can't. Yeah. Like, what are you going to say? Like...
3: Maybe she could develop laryngitis.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or a case of serious stage fright.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Also, who's having a wedding now with, like, the pandemic? I mean, she's got at least a... Wait, well, anonymous...
1: We should probably stop gendering the person. I mean, they're anonymous. Oh, it gosh. Could, could, could we stop gendering? You're canceled. Okay. Oh my God.
0: Deegan. This is so stressful. You're so Sarah, stressful. you've been canceled several times so during can- this podcast. <laughs> uh, so,
3: st- so stressful.
0: Okay. Let's move to um, a slightly li- uh, uh, a lighter question. Um, oh, this is cute. Um, Or maybe, like, not super cute, but you know what I mean. Okay, this is from Jenna, who lives in Pittsburgh, PA. My sister, who's two years older than me, okay, Uh, her and I moved to a new city six years ago and lived together until I moved in with my boyfriend a few months ago. Congratulations. Um, Her and I are best friends, and while we still spend time together, things have changed, and I don't want her to feel lonely or left behind. How do I maintain a close relationship with her and support her while also establishing my own independence? Much love. Hmm. Hmm.
3: Yeah. So this is like, I mean, this is right on the nose for us. I mean, Mm -hmm. we definitely have to navigate all of that all the time. I mean, having those boundaries of like, um, you know, wanting to wanting to center and make your family important is huge, but also having, you know, privacy and autonomy in your own relationship is so key as well. It's actually interesting because when I started dating my partner, um, she's a twin, she has a twin brother. And uh, we had just started dating and Tegan and I were, this doesn't happen that often, but we'll have a fight sometimes where it like, it will stretch on like most of the time we can like resolve conflict pretty quickly, maybe Mm -hmm. too quickly. Um, Like, like not setting the bone that broke properly kind of Mm -hmm. quickly, but like, Um, but we have had fights where things will stretch on for weeks, even where we're just not really talking. And I was in one of those. And I remember, uh, my partner's name is Stacy. And I remember Stacy being like nosy about it, like kind of being like, so what's going on with your sister? And like, would keep asking me questions and I would be like, I don't know who cares. She's a bitch, like whatever. And I remember (laughs) her being like, family is extremely important to me Mm -hmm. and you need to make things right with your sister. And, you know, like she was so aggressive about getting to know my mother and like wanting to be a part of my family and like wanting me to be a part of her family. It wasn't just wanting, it was expectations Mm -hmm. very early on her setting expectations with me about that. I will, I want you to know my family. I want you to know my brother. I want you to be a part of the things that are important to me. And um, even if it meant like we were like, in a one of my like a fantasy from a, an American movie, she like brought me home to I could see her like co- like her college bedroom and like her like cheerleading trophies and shit. Like I was like, this is wild. But she really wanted me to know her,
1: you know? Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing you say in response to this question <laughs> is, integrate. It yeah, is well well uh, what I actually was gonna say was like you're saying like talk about that in your new relationship. Like you yeah. know, have that conversation early on. I really love my sibling, I really mm-hmm. think family's important. But I I would say from my own experience with my partner, Sophia, and our terrible therapist experience two years ago with this woman, what also is set boundaries. Like, you know, mm-hmm. she described it as your, your relationships are about you bought a plot of land and you're building your new life on it and you've moved off the plot of land with your family, you know, or whoever you had in your circle. And like you can ha- be neighbors and you can have a really amazing cordial relationship, but this is your property and – and um I think having boundaries is good. But I think, yeah, just set expectations. I think it's really family is awesome and siblings relationships are important. And I think the longer you're with somebody, you realize too that you want them to have a good relationship with their family because then they can lean on them at times down the road. So, you know, just sell it. You just gotta sell that the property thing's weird because I'm I know that sounds I was gonna no, say <laughs>
3: for, for not liking this therapist, you use her advice all the time. <laughs> like it's just like you're like, she was garbage, but anyways, what she taught me about life, and I fully integrated this into my way of thinking. Well, as you know, I can't imagine tell yourself no as a Imagine yourself as a settler, on a, and you buy a piece of land, and you have an apple tree, and your family has an orange tree, and so one has to learn how to share because you don't want to eat apples for the rest of your life. Just a thing that my shitty therapist once told me.
0: <laughs> there you go. I will also say just, I think one thing that that Jenna can keep in mind is, you know, while like you're in this n- new relationship and you're having this amazing time with your boyfriend, and you're living together, I think sometimes, and I remember because my, my brother married his college sweetheart. So he's been with her since he was 18 and wow. I met my partner, British Bake Off, when I was 32. And so I was single for a long time and I think... People just automatically assume that if you were single, you know, you're you're lonely or you're sad or you're you feel like you're missing out because your sibling is married. And I really didn't feel that in my twenties. So maybe you could just also sort of kind of check in with her and be like, How can I support you? Like what's going on in your life and not and not, sort not of project. Frame it. Yeah, and not frame it as like she is now losing something rather than like maybe this is her chance she might feel to find her own autonomy. So yeah, just, you know, my own two cents. Um, Katie, you're, you really could be a therapist. You really have a nice. Oh, really? You really
3: have like, yeah, you have a really nice like zoomed out perspective on things. Like, you know, oh. like you really, you just right. have like, I can like, I think that's like, I don't think I would have even picked up on that whole, like the sort of idea of the sibling being sad because they're single. Like I just would have. I think that's just
0: really insightful. Oh, thank you so much. See British bake off. I'm very insightful, babe. (laughs) Okay. Um, Ooh, this is really, really good. Okay. Um, so this is from Layla, South Carolina. This will be the last one. Um, I often find myself comparing myself to my older brother. We're really close, but I still feel like I'm in his shadow sometimes. It can be especially tough because we have similar interests and are on the same career path. I was wondering how you all manage forming your own identities in your personal and professional lives while still seeking your siblings for support in your life and maintaining a close friendship. Whew! Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot there. So much there.
1: There's so much there, and it's very similar, I think, to what we were yeah. just talking about, and certainly in our situation. And I think, you know, it's a lot of trial and error, but mm-hmm. I think it's really, for me... Being having the same interests and following the same career path can be real bonuses in a sibling relationship because you have this built-in support. You have another person right there in your family to like. So I think it's framing it as a positive. You know, I think our missteps were seeing it as, oh no, she's going to think I'm copying her. Oh, we have to be different. I think a lot of our resistance and um, fear and lack of communication at the beginning of our working relationship stunted us, and I think that. I would, I would, I would sort of say like, just air all of that, say that, say like we have so many of the same interests and we're going down the same path. And I want our Mm -hmm. relationship not to suffer. I want it to be. I want want this to be a positive. Like, because I think if we'd had a conversation like that, it would have made it easier. You know, if we'd really heard each other, seen each other, and shared the wealth at the beginning of our career, it might have saved us a lot of conflict.
3: Mm. I also think too, like, you know, it's easy to sort of see yourself as having a lot of commonality like whether it's like about a career or your interests and likes. But you know, I don't think Tegan and I are so different. But if you really start to sort of uh talk to us about what we're like this these shared interests, the truth is, is that we're really we're interested in very different ways. We have mm-hmm. different curiosities. We have different perspectives on those things. And um, you know, while we both, for example, were really interested in, you know, whatever, like when we were in our twenties, we were interested in indie rock. Well, there's lots of different kinds of indie rock. And so, you know the kinds of I feel like we ended up not feeling as competitive as one would imagine, just because I think that it was sort of like I had my own lane and Tegan had hers, and and so it was like it wasn't like we were like oh no shucks we we both wrote the same same type of song or we were both suddenly interested in the same type of you know content or whatever. It was often like we were really approaching from from really unique perspectives and different places. So I wonder too if this sibling if these siblings as close as they might seem or as interested as they are in the same things, like I bet there's like a whole, I bet they both bring really different perspectives to to those interests.
0: Yeah. And I would also say, you know, growing up, especially like in my 20s, um, I would always complain to my parents like, oh, I'm in PJ shadow. And then Mm -hmm. he would complain to my parents. be like, no, Phoebe's a real star. And like, I didn't know this, like this was going on for like years. And then my dad (laughs) told me, I'm like, we're both thinking the same thing about the other person. (laughs) And, like, yeah. if we had just sort of said it to each other like once we could have resolved it instead of having this like these tiny little resentments that like, "Oh, everyone thinks he's like really cool, and like no one gives a shit about me and it was just sort <laughs> of like our own sort of neuroses kind of creating this conflict when it was like, no, people like both of us for independent reasons, and we're doing different yeah. things, and I think it's hard because you're you you are so worried with your sibling, especially like this is the person you grow up with so you're assuming that everyone's comparing you and then yeah. you have to get to a place where like even if people are that can't override oops, sorry I hit the microphone that can't override get sort into of it. how you got <laughs> yeah like that can't override like how you view each other and you know how you view yourself so I think just having this conversation with your brother he might be like what are you talking about you're so not in my shadow and he could what is it <laughs> like you exercise the ghost is that what it is? Exercise the ghost. Okay, great. Yeah. I almost said exercise the ghost. And I'm like, no, I don't want to work out with the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Get on that Peloton. I don't want to do that. Um, well, this has been honestly so fun. I've loved this. You guys give such sage advice. I adore you both so much. And I'm so grateful that you could sort of share your journey and be so honest and open. Because I think so many people who have siblings they might spend so much of their lives not saying something or biting their tongue or not like giving praise when they could. And so I think that this will help people open up a dialogue more with like their siblings and have a closer relationship or also not, or also tell your sister that your husband is a racist piece of Mm -hmm. bullshit and you need to drop them, which I'm also like, think about this. If you marry this racist guy and you have kids with him, you're going to be raising racist babies. Yeah. Like, think mm-hmm. you have to think this through. Like, don't get married mm-hmm. unless you really understand this is for the rest of your life.
1: Like, Anyway. My, my, partner, so- my partner, Sophia, within the few weeks of us dating, told me that mm-hmm. she does not like how I pull food off my fork with my teeth because it makes a certain <laughs> noise and it drives her crazy. And she was just like, I can't commit to a lifetime of listening to that noise. And I was like... Totally fine with that. I changed the way I ate.
3: You
1: know, if she, if she, if she'd, if when I started, dating if she'd expressed her- even mild tones of racism at the beginning of the relationship, I would have been like, bye. I wouldn't have married her. That's
3: for sure. I, I see. I see what you're doing there. I mean, Sophia couldn't couldn't accept your teeth hitting the fork. She's definitely not going to accept you being racist. I mean, heck no. True. Yeah, it's true. You have to be. It's not just. It's not. Just she because, almost like, broke up with me
1: when I asked if her parents had Wi-Fi in Brazil. She was like, "Did you get an education?
3: <laughs> what are you imagining?" Do you know those are those small things? Are the things like Stacy didn't have a duvet when we started dating? She just mm-hmm. had like a, like a blanket, like a mm-hmm. like a quilt, and I was like, "Why don't you have a duvet? That doesn't even make any sense." And she was like. I my mom used to make my brother and I get inside and pull the corner like get inside of the duvet cover and pull the blanket into the corners. And she said she just felt trapped and traumatized as a little <laughs> kid inside of the duvet. So we wow. did some we did some therapy around that. Like I I didn't I, so now whenever we put the duvet on, I'm always like, Why don't you get inside, Stacey, and pull the pull the blanket <laughs> in. But we but I was like, I can't date, I cannot share a bed with someone who is using a weird blanket quilt like you need to have a duvet so is that gonna get me canceled so i probably just diss that's fine that's fine (laughs) like like the quilt industry is gonna go crashing today just like sarah from tegan and sarah says quilts are gross hashtag (laughs) duvets are for privileged people (laughs) yeah Yeah. well like i'm being a karen like i'm just disgusted like i'm just like I'm, i'm gonna end this relationship if you don't get a duvet
1: we're devolving. This is what yeah. we do. We fall apart here at the end. Cut off our mics. Sorry.
0: Sorry. No, no. Everyone, go get the book. High school. Is there anything else you two want to plug? Oh, that's or great. Cool. Well, this
1: that's awesome. Our paperback is coming out. Uh, at, I believe it's at the end of September, beginning of October. So yeah, go listen or go listen or buy our uh, our memoir, High School. Okay,
2: babe, was that not so cute? That was such a fun episode to, like, see the dynamics between the two. And honestly, I thought shit was about to pop off at the beginning. <laughs> like, I was like, whoa, whoa, are we going to get into some, like, disagreements here? But yeah. I think it's a lot of issues they've touched on before. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, it, yeah, they, it's a really good insight into a sibling dynamic when two people are working together like that.
0: Yeah, I thought it was so cute. Hold on.
2: Literally my life everyone
0: Well here's the thing that makes it trifling Is that like we'll be in bed Literally you are dipping your Big toe into your REM And I crunch The last of my cough sweet And, and I wake
2: up immediately Yeah Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> That's probably like why you don't get a good night's sleep Probably Oh no Okay so listen mates It was a great interview I love both Dropped of the them accent. I can't because this is like <laughs> how I was born, mate. Is how you speak, is it? It's how I was born, mate. I was born in Bloody Manchester. All right. Yeah, I lived there all my life. Immigrated here when I was 28. We can wait. Wait for what? This is who I am, mate. <laughs> but I love them so much. Um, I'm really excited because the paperback edition of their book high school Mm. is now available
2: so go get it
0: order it wherever you get your books from high school by tegan and sarah really excited as always i love you babes
2: love you too darling
0: even when you don't accept me for who i am which is this is me
2: yeah my american
0: accent was, what is the fake thing? Because that was to, I heard that you were into American girls. And so I was like, oh, let me just pretend like I'm from Ohio, like.
2: So if you haven't already, don't forget to check out to Bolden. Bolden USA. uh, Great skincare line. And uh, speak to you next week. Credit time. I was in the middle
0: of... Telling my life story about growing up as a little black girl <laughs> in manchester okay manchester united is my favorite football team host <laughs> i love what's it what's it east siders is that a show
2: eastenders close <laughs> very very close <laughs>
0: And I love eating fucking... Fish and uh, chips. Fish and chips <laughs> fucking puddings, Fucking watching multi Python Okay, okay. Listening to Adele and fucking Stormzy. Host, Phoebe Lynn Robinson. Producers, Phoebe Lynn Robinson, British Bake Off. Editor, British Bake Off. Same song, Gavin Turek. Until next week. See ya.
2: <laughs> yeah, no interns this week.
0: Oh, wait, and our interns, Sasha and Malia Obama.